intention interior trucking companies if you are relying on facility insurance you could be overpaying reduce your insurance cost by 10000 or more per truck and good news we accept drivers with only 1 years of experience to learn more just send us text by typing insurance to 3653640714 thank you and who do we have on the show this week great question thanks for asking we have mr scott Creighton of Northbridge Insurance and we're talking about what is it those safety guys are looking for when they come into your company. Uh, I call it an audit, Scott calls it a review, but what are they looking for when they walk into your company and do the job that they are doing and reporting back to underwriting? That is next. Let's get to it. Welcome to the Dog On It Trucking Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Harris, Safety Dog. And when it comes to trucking safety, the dog is on it. I am so privileged to be able to sit and discuss with a variety of trucking influencers a wide range of trucking topics. Please, if you would show your appreciation for the podcast by leaving a thumbs up. Let's get on with the show. Hey, Scott, thanks for joining us on the Doggone It Trucking Podcast. How in the heck are you? I'm doing great, Chris. Thanks. How about yourself? You're doing good? Doing well in this COVID, self-quarantined, isolation (laughs) stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, The the commute these days is a little bit shorter from, you know, the upstairs down into the office in the basement. So that's... uh, that's that part's kind of nice, but you, the the being stuck inside's a bit of a challenge. It is, and yet, you know, a huge thank you to all the truck drivers that are out there doing what they do best. They're not stuck inside, and yet they're exposed to what you and I are pleasantly avoiding. Absolutely, I mean, uh, you know, uh, that's why I, I love this industry, and. Uh, uh, they they plug along no matter what, right? And I mean, they put up with a lot. We know that even in the best of times, but uh, it's nice to see, you know, them doing their thing and getting a little bit of recognition that they so deserve. Yeah, and Mike Millian and I were talking the other day um, on a previous podcast, and one of the things that he mentioned is perhaps, and I'm very hopeful that he's right, that the long-term well, you've been trucking probably as long as I have. Do you remember when we were the white knights of the road? Absolutely. I remember even before I got into it, uh, into the driving seat, that uh, you know there were certain companies that if a car was broke down on the side of the road, that they were mandated to stop and help. And yeah. if they did not, and they got the truck number, they were brought in for a little bit of a talking to. Yeah. And... You know, unfortunately, that's gone away, but perhaps because of COVID, uh, the, the uh, what do you call it, the, the um, image, I guess, maybe? Yeah, the image yeah. has been improved, and perhaps people will realize now that we're not an obstacle on the road, that we are a necessity. In Absolutely. 
I mean, I know there's an image campaign going to be starting by the associations in the fall, and I and I think this is a time for it to carry on. Yeah, that's great. But today, I'm really uh, kind of excited to to get you on the show because I want to ask you some questions about what, just in a general way, what safety people from insurance companies are looking for in their audits when they go out to see the fleets, what are they looking for and what tips could you give to a listener and watcher to, to do well in these, I call them audits? Yeah, so uh, I can speak from a Northbridge perspective on what we look at, but I will you know, go on to say that may not be the same order. We have, uh, 13 different areas we like to look at when we go out to assess. I like the word assessment. I don't like the word audit. I don't want to scare the bejeebers out of somebody. We're not going in there to sanction them like the MTO or give them a slap and like USDOT. We're going in to assess them, assess the risk for our underwriting team. But at the end of the day, the every insurance um, safety person, when they go in, basically looking at this more or less the same stuff maybe not as in-depth and maybe not everything in this order but everybody looks at the same at the same stuff yeah now just before you go on yep. this is a personal opinion i call it an audit mm -hmm. because i believe that the safety people from the insurance companies have a direct impact on that trucking company's insurance premium yeah, I, well, I think the, really the, the carrier themselves have the direct impact on how they are managing their yeah. business. We okay. are just reviewing it and, and forwarding our opinion to underwriting. But that's the nice thing about the job and the safety people. I mean, Chris, we all, um, we all have the same passion for the industry and for safety. I mean, most of the people that are in this field and uh, the role that I'm in and you formally uh, I mean, we came from industry, so we came from safety, and we love to help uh, each other, and we like to share stuff. And uh, that's the great thing about my role and our my team's role is we get to not only go in and assess, but then we get to provide suggestions, recommendations for improvement, and then we work with them for the next year if we are on risk. Yeah. And, I mean, the other thing I'll say about all the safety people from the insurance companies that I know you guys all have a huge wealth of knowledge that um, if the trucking companies would listen and implement some of the suggestions, uh, you know, but just going back to the, the cost, and I know we're not discussing cost of insurance, but I just want the listener to understand that the reason the safety professionals are out there on behalf of their insurer is that they are, as you said, assessing risk. And this has a direct impact on the opinion, at least, of the underwriter. And the underwriter is the one who, uh, they don't pick the numbers out of the air like some trucking companies think they do. There's actually a real process to it. But <laughs> it, it has a direct impact on those numbers. And this is a hugely important meeting. And I want the listener to understand how important it is so that when you get into exactly what it is that you are looking for, I want them to pay attention. <laughs> <laughs> well, quite honestly, we'd like them to as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I know in the past, I'm six years removed from doing the job that you're doing. Um, and it used to be that 
I'd walk into a client and on more than one occasion, they would go, oh, God, is, is that meeting today? Yeah. Which would tell me it wasn't very important to them on their agenda. Is that still happening today? Uh, to a point, yes. It, it still is. Uh, I mean, with technology, again, we're lucky. We've been able to send the reminders and send uh, meeting invites that sticks in their calendars. But, uh, I mean, I remember when I was still in the field, you know, carriers would see a car pull in and then all of a sudden, just before you get out, the phone would ring and say, oh, sorry, I can't make it today. I'm out driving. But you can still see him through the window in, the, in his office. So, <laughs> you know, that... Uh, and I mean, people are busy, right? But I mean, yeah, it gets the, it, it's second, I don't know what the why, but I mean, it's a, it's a necessary thing for that's got to be done, but they don't always, you know, it's not something they look forward to, I think. Well, and I really think that's incorrect. I, not you, but their attitude of it's not something they look forward to. If they did look forward to it and sucking the knowledge from you guys, and implementing it, God, they'd be so much better off. Absolutely, and I mean, not only like uh, we really encourage, and we we are very, very, um, uh, we love the customer relationship side. That's our kind of our you know yeah. our mission or whatever it is. We we really want to work and know the customer, work with the customer, and I encourage the customers as well, no matter where you are. Get to know your risk person. It's better to work with them, like you said. I mean, there are you know, once you're on risk, it's a it's a free resource to them. Not to mention, get to know their underwriter. You know, talk to their broker and and meet their underwriter. It's, it makes a huge difference when you know that person that's uh, you know writing your premium. Yeah. So what? Let's get into it. What is it that you guys are looking for when you come in to assess a risk? Okay, so for us, uh, and I hope my screen is up, but for us, we look at, as I mentioned, 13 different areas when we go in to evaluate a customer. I mean, uh, and this is more, we do this on a biannual or annual basis when we're on risk for updating, but when we're looking at a new piece of business, we, we're pretty in-depth and we look at all these areas here. So right from, you know, driver selection, you know, how are you hiring drivers, the orientation, you know, if you're hauling dangerous goods, what are you doing there? Um, you know, what's your crash review program like? Your your management receptiveness. I'll get into that when we a little bit farther along as we're chatting because that is a huge um, back to our point about wanting to meet people and get people the safety people in. This is a huge one, and then the compliance management today. So. Um, any questions for you as well, just pop in and I'm yep. sure you'll have some, but uh, I'm going to just flip through and we'll, we'll see how it goes just to give them a little bit uh, higher idea. So in our driver selection, I mean, you know, what, what kind of a driver are you hiring? As I mentioned, like, are you looking for three years experience? I mean, which is pretty tough to get these days. There's no doubt. I mean, but what are you looking for? Put it down. I mean, want three years. I mean, what is the, you know, what is the, uh, what's the record look like? What's their abstract? And I, you know, <laughs> you say this, but sometimes you go in and say abstract. That's a little bit scary, but uh, <laughs> even in today's world, that happens. Um, you know, road tests. Oh, go ahead, Chris. Sorry. Sorry. Hey, you want to see this in writing. Is that what I heard? Absolutely. I mean, put that down in your procedure. This is what I'm going to do because then we're going to verify what that you're hiring who you say and you know what i just uh, kind of a side note there i mean you put down your ultimate say is two years that seems to be a little bit more the norm 
And it is hard. We understand. I mean, in our world, we're lucky because um, all our fleets, we look at all our fleets and I'll, I'll preface that our fleet is every company that has 10 or more power units get assigned a consultant based on their territory. So they can go in and, and, and meet up with them. So they're allowed to hire drivers. If they're entry level, they can. But what we suggest to people is it's okay. If you want two years, that's great. But And this is the experience. But if you're hiring somebody, an entry level person, show me how you're going to get them up to the experience that you really want. Show me your mentoring program, your finishing program, if you will. You know, give me that. Show me. And again, show me. You'll notice there's a key word here. So write it down. Now, if you don't mind, I think in the show notes below, I will put a, a link to so that people can download the uh, voluntary apprenticeship um, documentation because I think many insurers uh, for a finishing program, if a trucking company started with this and it's a multi-page form, but if they started with that and enhanced it, I think most insurers would be pretty happy that they've got something in writing for those companies that wanted to go that way absolutely and and if they're following it it's great for them as well i mean oh, yeah. they're getting a better driver it's it's amazing drivers want to know that they're wanted out there you know and and it's it's a lot different i think i mean back when i got my license i'm sure yours i ha i was lucky i did get some training but it wasn't near what was expected today i it wasn't just here's the keys and go but i mean it wasn't as in depth as today and I mean boy I would have loved to had the opportunity to get the trainings available today yeah now just before you leave the entry-level driver training um, mm -hmm. if I was a trucking company owner could I have a, a fleet of drivers that were all new hires would uh, now again I if it's a fleet I mean we and we're just first going to look at it, we're gonna look pretty depth this in depth to see what's going on I mean a new company and a new starting up that way, it's going to be difficult, I would say. I mean, because you got to have things, unless you can show me what you've got in place. I mean, if you're a company that's been operating for a while and you've got entry level and you've got a very robust finishing program, yeah, we'll look at that. I mean, yeah. you know, you got to give them credit. I mean, it's hard to get. I mean, now every driver, yeah, that's going to be a little bit tough. But again, that's, uh, that's we're going we're gonna to advise underwriting what, what we see and what's there. And then, of course, they're going to ultimately have that uh, that call. But I mean, uh, yeah, they're going to they're going to write it appropriately. Yeah. Uh, just back when I was doing the job, we Old Republic was who I was working for, obviously, and and they would look at it and they wanted it to be a small percentage of the fleet mm -hmm. to be the the new um, driver because they recognize that there is a little higher risk there, um, but. So I just want, you know, hopefully you agree with that, that it's a small percentage. It's not, um, you know, 50% or 100% well, of the fleet. you want to, yeah, because it's pretty hard to have a good mentoring program if you haven't got some coaches to go along with them. You're absolutely right. But, I mean, every insurance company looks at things a little bit different, though, right, yeah. Chris? So, I mean, you know, it depends on appetite. Yeah, I mean, well, specifically, Old Republic had a percentage. And I don't want right. to say a percentage because it could be varied from company to company. But I do want the listener to understand that it is on the small side. It's not going to be uh, the vast majority or anywhere near 50% of your fleet. That, If you want to get insurance, in my opinion, that wouldn't be the yeah. best way to be going about it. No, and again, I mean, if you've been in business for a while, if you've got – 
all entry level drivers, there's something else that's deep down that needs to come out because why are you not keeping drivers? It's got to be something, right? Yeah. No, I'm thinking so, of a specific fleet that uh, was a customer of mine and, and they had uh, almost 100% of their fleet was entry level drivers. It was to say it was a disaster is being kind. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. It wasn't so, a Northbridge insured either. Sorry, carry on. <laughs> no, hey, hey, no, for sure. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and interviewing part, Chris. I mean, a lot of it's not just bring bring in, fill out the application part, and uh, you know, talk to the guy. When can you start? I mean, you want to, you know, you need to explain these days what's what's going on. You want to find out what you're what you're hiring. You're, it's a big responsibility. You are handing over your reputation to somebody going up and down the road. You want to think about that. Um, road tests, even. I mean, this is a interesting one. There's most companies now have documented road tests, um, but there's still a few that um, I'm really amazed when I look at their abstracts. And then look at the road test and see how perfect they are on their road test. It's just amazing, you know. So critical road test. Be honest. I mean, you got to have something to look at down the road so that to help the driver improve. Well, and just you know, for again, people that are listening, the road test. I always view it as an opportunity to take a qualified driver and offer suggestions for improvement. Um, you know, so it, not every road test should be written out the same. Uh, suggestions for improvement and the fact that the driver listened can all be documented properly. Absolutely. And then if you're doing your doing an annual review or a follow-up road test, see if they were able to improve on that. Yeah, for sure. So um, driver qualification files, huge, huge thing. I mean, it is all the paperwork and it it's amazing. Uh, I'll, we'll get into it a little bit farther, maybe, but uh, I mean, I'm sure everybody's heard of these nuclear verdicts these days, especially in the U.S. And I mean, the biggest thing I, I see now in all the articles, and everybody else can read them as well, is that it's not just going after the driver, it's saying the driver's at fault. It's looking at the company and what did they do for that driver. It's kind of the back door type stuff or the back office is what they're looking at these days. So, I mean, you need to protect your interests. Yeah, I've heard even safety consultants like myself getting drawn in because um, if I sold the policy and procedure manual, for instance, to the client, all of a sudden I'm in the courtroom and things like that. It, it's, they're going, they're looking at everything and every dime that they can possibly get. Absolutely. And more. I mean, it's, yeah, it's insane. It really is. So, um, so, we know, moving on, we do also want to look at our orientation and training, what your orientation programs look like. You know, what do you do for a new person? Again, like I said, kind of jokingly, but I mean, here's the, here's the keys and away you go. But no, we'd like to see a little bit more in that. I mean, those ones that, yeah, it takes me about an hour to go through everything. So that tells me they're showing, showing here's your truck and here's the paperwork and away you go. I want to see some, you know, what's the pro? Are you doing some training? Do you have your, are you training on your policies and procedures? You know hours of service, pre-trip inspection, that sort of stuff, you know, distracted, maybe trip planning. I think as, you know, as ELDs become more and more prevalent, they are in the U.S. and have been for a while, but as they become, when it becomes law in Canada, trip, board, trip planning is all the more important. So maybe the little bit of program on that, right? 
um, the practical on the job thing? Are you just saying, here, here you go? Or are you giving that person, that new driver, he or she, an opportunity to learn from somebody that's already there? Um, and then back to our, our mentoring program, as I mentioned, when we, when it, if it's a new driver, I mean, weekly documented, you know, uh, plans that are in place to, to show how they've improved, improvement plans. Uh, just in case um, our listeners are thinking, God, you guys are hard, you guys being insurance industry. Uh, most of this is also mentioned in the MTO safety manual that is online that they want training and they want a new higher orientation and all that kind of stuff. So it's not just the insurance industry that's looking for best practice. No, absolutely not. I mean, and, and I, when I started this, it was like, you know, you want to have everything in place so you can pass an audit, whether it's an MTO, DOT, whether it's Alberta, wherever. I mean, but quite honestly, that's basic today. You got to be able to, you got to be able to defend yourself. I mean, yeah. and as we just said with these verdicts, I mean, so, are you comfortable putting that driver behind the, and can you sleep at night? I mean, honestly, I mean, think of it, you know, your wife and kids are running up and down the road here with this driver. So are you comfortable with that? It's always a question I like to ask. Yeah, so, absolutely. You know, we, we go on and look at our, the safety and motivation and, you know, Ontario, Quebec, you know, speed governors and, um, telematics. Do you got telematics in your trucks? I mean, are, and what are you doing with them? Um, you know, it's, it's one thing to say, hey, I got them, and yeah, this is all great, but uh, what are you doing with all these speeding alerts that are coming up here? I mean, it's, <laughs> you're causing yourself a lot of grief. You're not doing something about it. Um, yeah. Document speed policies. It's amazing. People tell, oh, my trucks are governed. I don't need to worry about that. Well, oh, well, that's interesting. I mean, although our speed limiter is governed a little bit higher than the speed limit. I mean, it's still, there's lots of roads out there they travel that aren't 100 kilometers an hour, so it should have something in place. Yeah. Uh, safety incentive programs. I mean, that's uh, and I mean, that's difficult for smaller carriers. That might be a difficult thing, but, you know, there could be some basic ones for clean inspections or, you know, give them some, even a Tim's card. I mean, it's amazing what the little, little incentive for a driver right up to the most in-depth ones you get a larger fleet that's you know got idling time and they've got you know fuel economy and and all that sort of stuff so um yeah it's a lot uh depending on the carrier um yeah. the progressive discipline or you know it's it's one thing to have that in place but i mean you really need to follow it i mean i can remember kind of going into a company well actually i, I witnessed it in a previous previous life of mine and uh, you know Top the, the the middle guy got in trouble for something and was brought in and, and got a talking to and then one of the senior drivers did the exact same thing and nothing happened. Well, that kind of deflates everybody else's. The the culture was not great. So, um, you know, and, and then is there any over the road observations? Do you have a are you watching your drivers on the road? Are you, what are you doing when people call in? I mean, and we know today everybody has a phone and everybody takes pictures and everything ends up on YouTube. But they're not distracted while they're doing this driving down the road, of course. These other people are taking pictures, but I mean, that's beside the point. So, yep. it's, it's amazing, this stuff. So, um, turnover, again, we like to look at what's your turnover rate. And, uh, you know, it's it's amazing. I'll, I'll be asked, like, why? I, I think I hired this many guys or I did this. I said, well, wouldn't you want to know exactly how many guys? Yeah, like, what, what does it cost you to hire a driver? And... I know I've, I've had 
smaller carriers tell me it costs them two or three thousand dollars up to ten or twelve thousand dollars for a larger one depending on how robust their program is to get them up to where they need to be to make money so i mean it's it's important plus we know a new driver starting at a company no matter what experience he has has a more a greater chance of having a, an incident or a crash just surely because change of lane change of equipment and what have you so it's just something to keep in, in line. And if you're having big turnover um, challenges, then maybe it's time to look at your recruiting side. What are you doing? What's wrong? Well, and unfortunately, most of my clients, and as you probably know, my clients are, let's, the average one is 50 trucks or less, uh, probably averaging around 25. They're not calculating driver turnover. Um, you know, not to defend them, but I know what I ask about it, they, they'll say, well, you know, I'm busy moving the freight, Chris. Come on, I, I'm, I'm the dispatcher. I'm the accident guy. I'm everything. I don't have time to calculate driver turnover. And unfortunately, they often take the same attitude to hiring. Um, I don't have time to do a thorough, in-depth interview. I've got to answer the phone. Yeah, exactly. You know, and, and even the paperwork. I mean, oh, I don't have time to do that. You know, it's uh, provide a maintenance statement. Write it down a piece of paper. Well, how long does that take you? And then just follow it. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't got to be fancy. No, it, right in the, I'm doing a lot of work right now into the MTO safety manual. I'm using it as a Bible for a project. And I mean, they, even in there, the say a simple preventative maintenance statement is all you need. Hmm. But for sure, you need one. You got to have one. That's right. And I mean, and, you know, it, it's funny and I, and I don't, you know, I, I'll you get me out a little bit of a soapbox, but I mean, MTO, I mean, I think in Ontario to get a CVOR, they've done a, a, a good job, at least starting towards, at least there's a, a test to write and there's go yeah. through this manual and you need to know. But I mean, you know, they say, you know, you get bonus points if you have these extra safety things in place, but they, it doesn't doesn't sometimes always lay out as good as you would like to see it for sure to help the carrier. Well, I mean, I, to defend MTO, I think they've done a, a reasonable job of balancing. Um, for instance, in an audit, there are, uh, I want to say four to six things that must be in a driver file, but then in their manual, in the safety manual, they also have best practice and they have a list of items that are under there as for best practice that they want to see. They're not scored in an audit, but they want to see them there. Um, so it, it's, you know, because I'd hate to be like the U.S. where everything is legislated and you can get a ticket for everything. And, you know, the application form going back 10 years is legislated. Well, do we really need that or anyways? I'll get off yeah. my soapbox. <laughs> but, but it's true. I mean, it's best practices. That's the, that's the catchphrase these days, isn't it? I mean, yeah. you know, let's, here's what you need to do from a compliance perspective, but here's a best practice. And that's what we like to promote with our, after assessing a carrier with our best practices profile and show them where they, it's a roadmap for them, right? Yeah. And going back to nuclear verdicts, that's what they're looking at. They're not looking at just compliance. They're looking at, well, what are your best practices? Are you doing what fleets of your size, the best ones, are doing? And if you're not, you're exposing yourself and your insurer at the same time. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
So, so, that, so just to go back, that brings me back to listen to your GD safety guy from the insurance company. There you go. Yeah, we're, we're there to help. We're not, uh, yeah, that's it for sure. Well, or listen to your safety consultant, whichever way you want to go, but you know. Whichever way you want to go, absolutely, for sure. So, um, owner operators, another area we like to look at, Chris. I mean, you know, the smaller guys think, well, I don't. Did you road test your owner operator? No. Uh, how come? Well, he's had a truck for this many years and looks good and blah, blah, blah. Well, I mean, he's running under your insurance policy. Remember that. So in all intents and purposes, he could be your, he's, he's, he's running, he's representing your company. So, you know, we like to see them hire basically the same as they would a company driver. What kind of experience? Um, you know, injury uh, benefits. I know you had, uh, um, had Glenn on last uh, couple or a while ago, I guess on the, yep. on the dock and, uh, you know, it's huge. I mean, um, you want to have something to protect yourself or protect your policy. So is, do they have a, you know, do they have alternate coverage if, if they've opted out of WSIB? Some, not all do, but some, some do. So if they've opted out, what have they got to replace it? You don't, and is it first pair? You know, you don't want them, you know, and there's nothing worse than, getting the cheapest policy and then finding out that you didn't get what you thought. So really investigate what you're doing, um, you know, and uh, what's the schedule? Like, are you monitoring the, are you monitoring the maintenance of the owner operator's truck? I mean, and there's one little, you have a pretty good idea of what that driver or what that owner operator is going to make. It's always a good idea. You maybe don't want to dig in or, you know, get so, private that ask him, you know, his, uh, you know, financials, but you want to know what his truck payment is. I always say, because, you know, if you're, you're only going to make a thousand a week and your truck payments too, there's a problem. So, yes, I mean, it, it becomes a big issue. So, and I don't, hey. I don't know of any carriers in Canada that do credit reports on owner operators. It used to be quite common in the States. I don't know if it still is to investigate your credit as an owner operator? Well, it's funny. Uh, I had a, we had a carrier that, you know, uh, 50, 60 trucks and very, very proactive on safety and hiring and stuff like that. And he actually, before he hires an owner operator, he actually has a, a small version of a, uh, um, managing a business for them. I mean, and it all come out to, he had a, um, couple owner operators and their wives would come in and need an advance because they couldn't quite make it. And he's going, I'm looking at this and I know what they're paying on their trucks and okay, what's going on. So he'd asked the, you know, and he brought them in and they went, Oh, didn't never thought of that or didn't do that. So he just incorporated it into his new hire with his owner operators. You know, that they, they went through this little bit of a business course he put together. I thought that was a phenomenal thing. You want them to just succeed on the, on the road, right? I got to believe that makes the fact that he wants his owner operators to succeed so much that he's willing to invest in them. That's got to make him more attractive as a place to go work uh, for other owner operators. Absolutely. Absolutely. The word gets out. I mean, it's, it's great. And, and I should say when we were talking about owner operators, one thing that a lot of times you get missed is the contract with your owner operator. You know, you yeah. really want them to be working with you. I mean, I've, I've seen some, I've gone into some fleets and start reviewing the CVOR and say, hey, when, I didn't know you started running BC. 
goes, well, I didn't. Well, how come you got this ticket on here? And as it turned out, the owner operator had decided it wasn't too busy, took some holidays and went and worked for somebody else. So, <laughs> you know, um, it's, it's, it's crazy. So now it is getting better, of course, but um, we, you know, preventive maintenance is another area, Chris, we like to look at, you know, what do you, how are you maintaining your trucks? And I mean, there's a bit of a scorecard that we can kind of barometer and review before we even get in if we see their profiles to have an idea. Uh, I mean, and does it, uh, that parental maintenance statement we talked about, it doesn't have to be that fancy. It's got to be there, but it should include your owner operators, right? And and then you should yeah. be getting the documentation from the owner operators on a monthly basis, right? What have they done to that vehicle? So you can put it in your file because, you know, you've been through enough uh, MTO audits with your customers of some of the stuff they look at, and that's a that's an important piece for them. You know, even the annual inspections being up to date. I mean, hey, today with COVID, it's a little tough. I mean, for some areas, I mean, for getting even plates and licenses these days. But, um, you know. and oh, but the, uh, the garages are all still open, are they not? Yeah, garages are still open. But I, I'm, and, I'm, and I don't know this, but I'm not sure how, if they're able to get supplies of the, cert, of the certificates. Right. These days, right, if everything's open or not. Um, some stuff is, so I would assume, but never know um you know and you know, how's a carrier tracking you know, i've gone into some i mean boy oh boy it's all all on the computer there's alerts go to the driver the truck gets locked out if it the, misses its maintenance schedule if you're doing mileages it's you know it's awesome it's managed very well but you know it's not, not all carriers can afford that kind of stuff and understand that i mean uh, I've been one Northern Ontario, actually in Thunder Bay, and they had a man. They had a book for each truck and trailer, and there wasn't a piece of paper missing. It was absolutely pristine. They knew exactly, you know, when that truck was in last. You know, uh, you know, small fleet, so you know, you only got twenty trucks to worry about. But I mean, they knew. Hey, this truck's going to need. I got to pull it off the road. Again, the, one of the biggest things these days is the culture of the company. Right? It's it's really important. It is. It's huge. For sure. So uh, hours of service, again, you know, uh, are, you are you auditing your logs? I mean, if you're going to the U.S., obviously you have ELDs, but there still doesn't mean you can just let them go and think they're okay. You still need to, you still need to look and see what's happening there. Um, as I mentioned, same as the telematics. Somebody, oh, the computer does it. No, I mean, telematics, ELDs, they are a great tool, but they're only as good as how you use them. So yes, it's amazing. So drivers you know, can still violate the law. That's right. Absolutely, absolutely. So you know, and hours of service training is probably a good part that should be incorporated into your orientation and some ongoing and some refresher stuff. You know, let's, yep. let's keep make sure that nothing's you know going awry with them. You know, review just, those laws. While you're mentioning that. Um, on my YouTube channel, I really would encourage people to watch the uh, video on can Canadians use personal conveyance while in the States? Um, because I, I know there are tickets being written for that uh, as a violation. And, and it's kind of unfair, but the drivers need to understand what the rules are and how they get applied. That's all. Absolutely. Absolutely. We went actually... Uh, we had a, a new piece of business come through just before COVID started in, and uh, that was a concern of an underwriter was their U.S. score had spiked. It had been consistent, and then it was a huge spike. Well, as it turned in, when we did the uh, assessment, 
assessment. Uh, the uh, <laughs> it, it was one driver that was got pinched for the the conveyance. He yeah. used it consistently, and they hadn't caught it. So, uh, I mean, that got rectified pretty soon after they got the ticket. But I mean, still, uh, it's it's interesting. It happens. It, absolutely, absolutely. Um, cargo. Loss prevention, what's your terminal security like? Are you keeping loads overnight? Are you keeping them over weekends? And how are you mitigating the potential for loss here? I mean, we all know cargo crime is a huge um, economy killer, if you will, and it's an easy money maker, and the penalties are, are not uh, near what they need to be, but that's my little bit of a soapbox. We all pay for that at the end. Um, yes. Load security, how, how are you securing your loads is one thing in a van, but if you're an oversized carrier, you know, what, you know, what do you, uh, are, how are you training these guys? Flat deck? I mean, we, we see in these times that, uh, you know, and people are scrambling, and I understand. I mean, there's a lot of trucks sitting that are not, you know, the automotive guys, for example, are, are struggling, I'm sure. So, you know, some carriers are looking for ways to get their wheels rolling. And they think, oh, hey, there's still flatbed work. Let's buy some flatbeds. Well, there's more to it than just sending that driver who's used to hauling a van on the flatbed if he's never had any experience or her any experience on that. So, yeah, just when I was in your shoes, I had a carrier. He trained a driver on flatbed and trained him really good on how to haul lumber. And within the first week, he sent him to go pick up a printing press. While at the first corner, the printing press, which was over a hundred thousand dollars piece of equipment, ten oh. or fifteen years ago when this happened, ended up on the road. You know, first yeah. curve. Absolutely, it's yeah. it, it can happen. It can happen. So, and that's the thing: load-specific training in your orientation. What are you doing? Like, give them that and ongoing refresher training. Please do that ongoing training. I mean. Drivers meetings. I mean, I know you know a lot about drivers meetings and help out there. So, um, you know, give them some refresher on, uh, on, a, on a scheduled basis. I always look at, you know, we noticed uh, defensive driving, for example, carriers, some of the bigger ones, you know, everybody gets a refresher defensive driving every couple of years, which is yeah. fantastic. Uh, we kind of watched a few, monitored a few carriers and they started having a couple incidents. And when we reviewed them, Turned out they'd switched their refresher training from two to three years, and the incidents were occurring with drivers that had lots of experience. It wasn't entry guys, it was drivers with experience, but it was in that window between the two and three year refresher. So it's so I gotta believe they (laughs) I I gotta believe they went back to their two year. They uh, absolutely did. (laughs) They absolutely did. Oh boy. Um, and your theft prevention program, we talk a, a little bit about that as well to try and help them out. Um, dangerous goods, if they haul dangerous goods, you know, what are they hauling? Is it a bulk carrier? Is a little bit different? Uh, what's the training like? What's the quality of the trainer? I mean, you know, is it just here you go, is the owner signing the ticket, or are we actually doing some good quality training? And I mean, I've gone into some and say, oh, yeah, we do TDG training. It's part of our orientation, um, and it takes us about a half an hour. Yeah, I'm not quite sure that's enough even for consumer commodities and dangerous goods. I mean, you need to know all the regular, and that's changing all the time, especially that. Um, are you, you know, I went in to see, see a carrier and asked, is this guy still working for you? Yeah, I said, well, his dangerous goods certificate expired three months ago. And just 
plain lucky. Um, spill response. Oh, like, what are you doing? And not just dangerous goods. I, we asked about spill kits. I mean, spill kits are a pretty cheap thing. You can make your own or you can buy them already made. But I mean, you know, carrying around a few hundred gallons of fuel in that truck. I mean, spill kit will help you there as well. Yeah. It's a good thing. And, and your follow-up investigation, not just for what the, the law is, but what are you doing? Uh, yeah. T TDG, you just remind me, all carriers need some sort of an expiry list and be monitoring everything that expires, driver's licenses, uh, training certificates, annual safeties, uh, preventative maintenance, all that kind of stuff. Absolutely. I mean, in, whether it's a spreadsheet that's sent around or whether it's your automatic mm -hmm. software that does it for you, but you need to track it. I mean, uh, I can remember when I was in the safety and compliance role as a carrier and, uh, you know, I, I was, we had our signing authority there, so I was monitoring their licenses pretty closely and pulling abstracts. And um, I looked and I went, boy, this guy's, his license is coming due. And I called him and he goes, boy, I never even, I never got anything in the mail. Well, as it turned out it was there to do his renewal. It was just mixed in with his license sticker and he just handed it to his wife and said, go get the stickers for the truck while I'm away or for the car while I'm away and was mixed right in there. So, I mean, that could have been a little bit of a, challenge if they was down in the states with a expired license i suspect so yeah. you know um it's good so health and safety I mean, we don't get into a lot of that but you know what a document health and safety program kind of tells you you know do they understand their role and responsibility under occupational health and safety or federal labor i mean it really shows to me the culture and the education of the carrier if they've got some of this stuff in place and we also like to help them i mean there's some great associations across the country that can help out when it comes to this. Um, IHSA here in Ontario is a great resource and through WSIB they're kind of paying for it anyway so why not use that same thing use the person that's there for you it's you know free is always good I think. Yeah and I mean just to plug a another episode of uh, this show uh, last week Andrea from uh, Healthy Trucker was on so. There's a that's yeah. a great one that's another thing that is one thing as part of the as part of our assessment, we do ask, do you have a wellness program? What are you doing for your drivers? Yeah. You know, um, these days, we know, especially now with COVID, you know, uh, mental health and uh, PTSD are huge. And, you know, PTSD is a, a little bit of a quiet thing. I guess we always heard it originally. It was from, you know, somebody coming back from the army or a, a emergency service, but it's anybody, you know, you see those traumatic incidents out on the road who knows what it's going to trigger i mean our drivers see a lot of stuff happening and right now it's got to be it's always stressful being a truck driver but with this covid deal of having to try to keep everything so clean it it's got to be a lot more stress i've got uh linda corkum uh, are you familiar with linda from nova scotia nova scotia yeah she's coming on uh I got to set the interview time up, but that's what she's going to be talking about is truck driver mental health. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that interview. I've heard her once before talk about it, and that's why I wanted her on the show. But I got to get her on soon because COVID, I believe, is having uh, a huge effect on everybody. This is stressful for all of us. But I, I can't I'm, imagine being out on the road with this. Oh, boy. I mean, I've been lucky. I mean, since I've come into the role into the insurance world, we it was... Uh, I've got 
used to the work from home thing. I mean, I'm still going to the office, but I mean, I was used to it. I get, you know, whenever I got to get something done, it's in the office. But even now, I mean, you get caught up on a bit of work, but it's, it's for me personally, it's the fact of knowing that I shouldn't or can't go anywhere. And yeah. I'm, and I'm very lucky. Um, I, I live out in the country, so I can go out and walk around a field that's out behind me and get out. But those people that are cooped up in a, in a condominium, boy, I really, really feel for them. I, like I said, it's, you know, not going out is a, it's a, it's amazing what it does to, to the, to the mood and the state of your health. I mean, I try not to watch, uh, I, I watch the news once per day now. Um, but I mean, one of the shows I did watch recently, doctors and nurses have set up bedrooms in their garages because they're refusing to go into their house and possibly infect their own families. Well, a truck driver isn't that much different. Um, they're not quite at the same high level of exposure that a, uh, a nurse or a doctor or anybody in a hospital might be at or a nursing home. But still, you don't want to bring this home. No, and it's, I, mean, I read a, an article and I, and I actually know somebody that's an owner-operator and uh, they come home on the weekends and they're still staying in their truck on the weekends. Yeah. You know, so their wife is bringing stuff out to them to the truck and they get out and get it and they keep their distance and stuff like that because he doesn't want his wife to you know, get ill. Yeah, so uh, it, it, it's a stressor. It is. It absolutely is. It absolutely is. So um, anyway, sorry. Um, but no, <laughs> <laughs> you know, crash frequency benchmarks and stuff like that and establishing those kind of things and not just crash. It's a lot of stuff, the incidents and whatever. Like if you're not, if you're not tracking it, you can't measure it. So you can't improve what you don't know. And it's amazing people, I remember going into a, a carrier once and um, looking, we were going through his shop and he was talking about the high expense of all the stuff he had, parts. And uh, I said, well, didn't you just change over to a different, yeah, we're going to move to all one fleet. I said, well, then that's not going to, is that not going to save you right there? You don't got 10 different parts for 10 different trucks. I mean, it's those little things that, you know, can add up. It's that. You know, it's the total cost of risk. I mean, the uh, same thing. And I, people say, well, my, how do I going to save on my insurance premium? Insurance is very important. You have to have it. And premiums are uh, a part of the, the business. But, I mean, you have ways of, you know, that, that's just the what the insurance company pays out. It's all those underlying things that a lot of people forget when there's an incident. I mean, so always remember, if we had one, the world stops. Right. I mean, the, the safety guy now has got to go out, maybe and investigate and dispatch has got to arrange a different truck to get that load delivered. If it's a load and there's just so much of cost that we don't, they don't always think about when there's an incident and when there's a loss. I mean, it's expensive. Yeah, very much, very much. So, you know, and if you got a, your policies and procedures manual, that's great. Are you following it? That's even better. Uh, and <laughs> And are you updating it and how often? So it's uh, very important. Back um, on to crashes again, you know, are you, do you have a criteria for your high-risk guys? I mean, we, we have a high-risk driver program that we help and walk our carriers through when you're hiring. And, you know, based on the ATRI and the study and on violations that have been showing up on the abstracts um, and the chance of a crash potential in the next 12 months. So I'm not saying don't hire those guys either. It's just you understand what you're hiring and let's put some training in place to make sure 
and let's let's help that person. I mean, <laughs> remember the days when it was, hey, you, you know, you messed up and the laugh, the joke was, it was like going to the penalty box. You had to go for some defensive driving refresher. Well, that's, that's not the case. I mean, we want the driver to come home safe. Again, it leads back to the culture. Let's help them improve where they need it. I, you know, I go, we do a lot of defensive driving at our company. And uh, if you get one, you know, you save, you take one thing away from that course, that's a bonus in my opinion. Something you didn't know and something you can help improve. Um, same thing, you know, the, the action plans, how are you investigating losses and are you reporting them promptly uh, to your insurer to make sure that that can be, you know, they can be closed off quickly. Um, Management receptionist, I mentioned this at the beginning, this is one of the biggest areas, like who do we have, when we go in to meet with a carrier, who are we meeting with? We like to meet with the safety compliance manager or the, you know, whoever's managing the operation. And we, at some point, you know, you like to meet the owner if they're around because, you know, you want to see, and, and they need to hear it from you as well. I mean, if we're offering recommendations or suggestions for improvement, you know, is there a commitment to the timelines we've suggested? You know, maybe like the preventative maintenance statement I don't have in place. Can you get that done in the next couple of weeks or 30 days or should be able to do it or you're sitting there? But I mean, that's a bad example. But I mean, what's the commitment? You know, if we're on risk, what is their last? What have they done on the recommendations we've offered in the past? And then the biggest and most important in my eyes is what's the likelihood of risk improvement? Are they got the culture? And that has to start at the top, Chris. I mean, you know, you yeah. can't have the you can't have the owner running around. And I don't know how many times you go in, and I'm sure you've seen it as well on the small carriers. Because again, we mentioned that the owner is probably the local shunt driver as well. And uh, you pull, you look at the abstracts, you look at the CVOR, and go, "Who is this guy that's got all these tickets?" Oh, that's the owner. <laughs> well. <laughs> you can't uh, you can't give the drivers trouble when you're not walking the walk. So it's uh, it's lots of fun, that's for sure. And then yeah, just, just the compliance. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Sorry, I was going to say when you um, when any of the insurance companies give their recommendations, it's always in writing. And I encourage trucking companies to respond in writing, saying, you know, thanks. Hey, really appreciate it. I'm taking this serious. And if it didn't come with suggested timelines, I tell my clients to respond with realistic timelines that you can stick to and say to the insurance company, hey, I've taken your recommendation serious and I'm implementing these ones. And if one didn't fit for whatever reason, explain why you can't do it so that you work with your insurance provider and not just um, ignore it. Absolutely. We, we do ask them to, that's exactly as part of the, the letter that we send them is, you know, can you please follow up with your plans on this? And that's what we're looking for. But I mean, again, we have the, the luxury as we are in pretty good contact with all our insurance. As I said, our consultants are assigned based on their, their territory, based on where they live. So they're, they're seeing their customers two, three, four times a year, depending on the want, the need. I mean, I've had some carriers say, oh, no, we're good. Uh, I'll see you next year. And I said, no, no, you, we need to see a little bit more. And then there's other carriers say, okay, yeah, I'll see you, see you next month, right? They want to see you every month. So, yeah. I mean, you know, we, we do have that luxury of being able to help them out that way. But uh, you're right, respond. That is the most important thing. So, as I mentioned, uh, you know, we look at other things too, is the, the, the intra or the external, you know, they run in 
cross border are they running just provincially they staying locally that kind of stuff that's all taken into account for what they do and then just the last thing for us is our customer monitoring we call it monitoring but i mean it's just our relationship and working with our customer and give them that ongoing support i mean that's what we're there for we see anything new we talk to them next time we're out to see them or send them an email and say hey were you aware of this with all the the covid stuff that's going on right now it's a um we're still um Obviously, there's no face-to-face visits like we were doing, but we're calling our carriers and ask them, hey, how's it going? And you can't get any better than to be quiet and listen to them right now. That's the relationship because, I mean, they are, it's nice to, you know, I think it's a nice voice for them to hear, you know, somebody else that's calling to check on them, right? And just say, hey, how you doing? So. Um, Unusual times. but Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, that's kind of the majority of what we look at. I mean, there's more stuff too, that, and it's based on what we find and what, when I say find, what we see and what the answer to the question is, we dig a little deeper here and there, whether it's into the carrier profile or the U.S. side. I mean, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's good. Yeah, no, that, that was awesome. And I think, um, for carriers, if, you didn't get something out of this presentation or, or interview, whatever you want to call the show. Uh, they're either very, very good or they're, they didn't listen. Um, so I, I thank you so much for coming on. That was, that was awesome. Um, did we cover everything that you wanted to mention? Uh, I think the only thing, a couple minor things would be um, this. When we talk about the carrier profile, just quickly, I mean, it's a it's a roadmap to your to your company in my opinion it's, it's a scorecard for you where where you're at but you know the overall violation rate isn't the be all to end all i mean you need to look at what the violations are and that's what we do we drill down to see what they are i mean if there's speeding and there's breaks out of adjustment and there's others of service then there's a trouble there's a problem but i mean i think back to a carrier again in northern ontario i had that you know, they were trugging along with a 15, 20% CVR violation rate. Everything was good. And then all of a sudden, all in one day, they got like 10 tickets and put them up to like 50%. I go, what the heck happened? Well, and that was a learning curve for me that it was a, it was a logging company and the MTO has an agreement in Northern Ontario. They can go in and, and pick a carrier and grab a month's worth of their scale tickets. Well, they pulled this carrier's tickets and it happened to be in half load season. So they nailed them with overload tickets. I mean, yeah, you should know what you got on your truck, but I mean, I really want to see the safety going on. Um, and then what do you, and are you monitoring that carrier, or that CVR? I mean, quite honestly, you know, best practice, you should be pulling that thing every month. Yeah. It's five bucks. I mean, pull it and have a look and see where you're at. Um, like same with the U.S. side. I mean, We've got a great program. We use CAB, and it's a great uh, system that can, you know, monitor and, uh, you know, it, it, that's the, that's an easy one. That's a no-brainer. And and driver's abstracts, too. Best practice. We talk about best practice. We call them four times a year. Sorry, your, your audio cut out there. What was that? Oh, I'm sorry. Um, uh, we talk, like driver's abstracts, the same thing. Right. We talked about best practices. Pull them on a quarterly basis. I mean, make sure that the driver, because again, same thing. Some of those things, I, I always use the impoundment regulation. I mean, sometimes drivers don't even know they've been downgraded 
Uh, yep. Especially, I'll tell you, especially in this new world with the changes with the D license here in Ontario, a lot of people didn't get their notice that they needed medicals and they were automatically downgraded. So <sighs> at least if you're pulling that quarterly, your, your truck's not going to stay there. Yeah. <laughs> in the impound yard. So well, that's awesome. Anyway. Thanks so much, Scott. Oh, hey, thank you, Chris. I really appreciate getting on here and uh, trying to get the word out again. Like I said, uh, everybody, including yourself, it's all the, it's the safety world that we, uh, that's our passion. It is, and you do it very well. And, and Northbridge is certainly, um, you know, probably, I, I would imagine you're still the largest trucking insurance company in Canada. Uh, well, don't know that anymore, but. Well, I think we've been the longest anyway, over 60 continuous years. So we haven't, uh, you know, we're in it for the long haul, pardon the pun. Yeah, well, perfect. Thanks so much, Scott. We'll talk again soon. You bet. Thanks, Chris. Take care. I hope you loved the show as much as I did. Please leave us a like, a thumbs up, a review, a comment, a rating if it is in your heart. Thank you so much. And I do really appreciate it. Your time and join us again next week for another exciting interview.